I hate cream. Wait, nope, that was last time's. All right, hang on. All right. Mr. Hayes, you have no identity. You do not exist. And as far as the American government is concerned, you have no right to be in our country. These words still haunt me to today. See, my wife and I and our four-month-old baby had just moved to America. And everywhere we went, they kept telling me none of my paperwork was any good. And so when I went to apply for my driver's license and they put in all my information, they said, sorry, Mr. Hayes, you're not in the system. And then when I tried to get the gas hooked up to our house, they said, sorry, Mr. Hayes, you're not in our system. And I'm like, what is going on? Like I have a visa printed in my passport. I've got a stack of paperwork. My visa was activated at the border. Why don't I exist? And so we went to the government office and it's just, it's just not a great place to go. And we got there early. We waited in line for an hour and then we waited in the waiting room for seven hours with a four-month-old. And halfway through the time that we were waiting, Wyatt woke up and he started to get fussy and his soother fell out of his mouth and onto the floor. And this was like my introduction to fatherhood because instinctively, I picked the soother up off of the floor and sucked the dirt and grime off of the end of it and then plugged it right in his mouth. Thank you, thank you. And that's all I got to share with you guys tonight. So, you know, I'm pretty cool. I, but it was such an instinct. Like, I would just, I wasn't even used to it. I was like, I can't believe I just did that. So anyway, I spent a long time in the government office, finally got to talk to the guy, and he said, look, Mr. Hayes, when you cross the border, they put your middle name and your first name together. So I was no longer Benjamin Timothy Hayes, I was Benjamin Timothy Hayes. And so that's why none of my paperwork was lining up. And so I said to them, I said, well, surely that's just a quick fix. Just separate my name. And I'll never forget, his chuckle was worse than telling me I had no identity. Because he was just like, <laughs> welcome to the US government. This will take anywhere from six months to 16 months. I'm like, well, what am I supposed to do? And he's like, what you have to do, Mr. Hayes, is go to the DMV and apply for the illegal alien driver's license. And I'm like, hang on a second. Just to clarify, in order for me to legally stay in the country, I have to apply for the illegal driver's license in order to be able to hook the gas up to my house. He's like, yeah, it's simple. I'm like, right on. See, identity is what gave me the ability to be able to live in the United States and without an identity, I had no right to be there or live there or have any sort of normal life. Tonight, we are going to look at identity and what it means to have identity in God and the part that Jesus plays in our life when it comes to our identity in God. Now, I always like to get my main point over and done with at the very beginning so you guys can tune me out for the next hour and then catch the main point at the end, okay? So here you go. You are a child of God. He has no unfinished projects, and you are his masterpiece. That again is, you are a child of God. 
He has no unfinished projects, and you are his masterpiece. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that we have an opportunity to come here tonight and listen for you. Jesus, I pray that it would be your words spoken through me tonight, not mine. Don't let me say anything that's not of you. Please, Jesus, use me to speak on your behalf tonight. In your name, amen. All right, so in order for us to understand our identity in God, we have to understand and work out really quick and establish why God is the ultimate authority and the part that Jesus plays in our life when it comes to identity. And so we're going to dive into a whole bunch of information really quick to establish a foundation. And so we're going to go right back to the very beginning of the Bible. So if you have your Bibles with you or the Bible app on your phone, you can go ahead and jump right, a, right away to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. And it starts like this. God created the earth and the heavens and the sun and the moon. And he created all of these amazing things. And then he created the oceans and he created land and he made mountains and snow and mosquitoes and all sorts of amazing things. And he made uh, trees and he made monkeys. And then he made lions and tigers and bears. Oh, come on. Let's try that again. And then he made lions and tigers and bears. There we go. And then on the last day, he created man. And he created woman, and he said it was good, and then he took a day off. This is the very start of the world. This is what he put into motion. And we can argue all of the different things that you want, but at the end of the day, something has to create something. And God spoke, and the world happened. And he ended his creation with humans. He created everything and then made us and said it was good. So that covers how God created the world and you and I. Now, if we jump over to John chapter one, verse one, it says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. This is Jesus. And it matters that we understand that Jesus was there at the beginning. See, some people like to believe that God put the world into motion and then just walked away. But that's simply not true. God put the world into motion and Jesus was there in the beginning and he was a part of the creation. And then he also became a part of the rescue plan so that you and I can have relationship with God so that we could understand our true identity and why God made us. So very often people will say, well, we've never seen God. But if we jump to Colossians chapter 1, in the middle of that chapter, it talks about Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. And through him, all things were made. See, he was there in the beginning, and he will be there in the end. This is Jesus. And see, a mirror gives a perfect reflection of the person that's standing in front of it. Which is great because now I realize I have a five head, not a four head, and that I have a lot more gray in my beard than I did before I got married. But that's another topic for another night. See, people will often ask me, how can we trust God? We've never seen him. Well, there's four books at the beginning of the New Testament that clearly outlines the life and times of Jesus. And so if you're ever wondering about the character of God, 
According to Paul's words in Colossians, we've seen God because we've seen Jesus. And Jesus even says in Matthew, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And so if you've come here tonight and you've believed that lie that God put the world into motion and then just abandoned it, it's just not true. Because Jesus came to be the example of God's character and also how we should live our lives. So to recap, God created the world. Jesus was there when the world was created. When man messed it up, Jesus started on the rescue plan. He came down, he died for our sins so that we could have a relationship with God. And as a result, we can fully understand the reason why God made us. But wait, there's more. In Matthew chapter six, we learn of Jesus's baptism. Jesus is getting ready to start his ministry, and so he goes to the Jordan River where John the Baptist is baptizing people, and he himself gets baptized. And as he comes up out of the water, the heavens open, and doves start to fly, and God speaks. And he says, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. Why would Matthew include this in the Bible? Surely that was just a moment between God and Jesus. We don't need to know about that moment. See, Matthew includes it because it was important that the world knew who Jesus was, but it was also important that Jesus knew who he was. Jesus needed an identity statement from his God, from his heavenly father, that this was his son with whom he was well pleased. So here's the thing, my friends. If Jesus needed an identity statement, you and I need an identity statement. And the best place for us to get that identity statement from is God. And his word is filled with identity statement after identity statement after identity statement. Why were you made? Why were you created? And what is the plan and purpose for your life? And so we're gonna look quickly at three of those. See, my buddy, Pastor Travis, he's coming back next month, and he's going to take you guys a little bit deeper. But tonight, we're just going to look at it really quick. What does it mean for me to have identity in God? So John chapter 1, verse 12 says this, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So all who receive Jesus, or in other words, chooses to follow after him with all of their hearts, has the right to the title child of God. That means I'm no longer just Ben Hayes. I am child of God, Ben Hayes. That's my identity. That's my foundation. That's what makes me, me. God is my father. He is my protector. He is my provider. He is my healer. And... He's really proud of me. See, sometimes we just need to hear those words from our Heavenly Father that we're His child, that He loves us, that the way that we were created is not wrong because that's how God made us. Secondly, in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, it says, And being confident of this, that He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. This is language that we can be confident in. This is language that we can build a life on. 
that God who created the world and created you will work to help you through life. The hardest part about leaving Canada and moving to America was selling off all of my junk, as my wife called it. In my mind, I was building the ultimate pickup truck. And so I had been gathering parts and vehicles from all over southern Alberta, southern British Columbia, and northern British Columbia. And my plan was to take these 14 different vehicles and build the ultimate truck. And one day, when my children have all graduated and become doctors and are finally paying me back for all of the money I've spent on them, I will just build it then. And so the problem was that when we came to move to America, I had to sell this on. And that led to kind of two complications. One, I had to come be truthful with my wife. Because I had to tell her what the things that I had paid for were actually worth. Mm. I mean, it's a great conversation when your wife is like, well, I thought you said you only paid 100 bucks for that. And it's like, mm. <laughs> might have been more like two grand. <clears throat> but, you know, it's okay. She loves me, uh, and I give her lots of opportunities to work on that 70 times 7 of forgiveness. So that was the first problem. The second problem was, is nobody wanted to buy half-finished projects. Nobody else wanted to take on my junk. They're like, dude, this is a pickup that's rolled over. It's not worth anything. I'm like, well, it, it could have been. <laughs> okay, I got to find my notes here. See, to everybody else, those unfinished projects, they weren't worth anything. They were just junk. Here's the thing I want to encourage you guys with. God doesn't believe in unfinished projects. God created this world, and then he created you. Unfortunately, though, stuff happens. Stuff goes on in our life and in our family or in our school or in our college that sometimes really sucks and damages our identity. There are lies that the enemy will, will speak over us that we start to believe, and then we start to change how we act, or how we behave. But here's the thing. God then comes along and he says, hey, I want to help you through this. What he's really saying here in this verse is don't allow the world to define you. Allow me to define you. Allow Jesus and the Holy Spirit to meet you in the mess and help you with life. Because in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it says, You are his masterpiece. Although you may live in an unkind world, you have a heavenly Father that is working in your life because you are his masterpiece. You are the most important thing to him. I love to imagine what the throne room of heaven looks like. And I love to think that there are moments where God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit are together. And God elbows Jesus and he's like, hey, remember when we knit her together in her mother's womb? Look, she's doing it. 
Or remember when we knew he was going to be a great singer? Look, he's doing it. See, God is proud of you. He created you. He has a purpose for you. He has a plan for you. You're not broken. You're not an unfinished project. Sure, stuff may have happened. And maybe you've gotten off the track or you've gotten off the path or there's stuff that's gone on in your life and the world is trying to define you this way or that way. But God says, hey, let me define you because I love you. And I think you are absolutely amazing just the way you were made. I want to I wanna invite my friends, Rory and Sophia, out. They're two of our students from Airdrie. And they're just going to share with you just a little bit of a testimony of what God is doing in their lives. And so... Thanks for coming out here, you guys. This is Rory, and then this is Sophia. This is their first time in front of a large crowd like this, so let's give them an actual round of applause. Come on. There we go. I was going to say, uh, Ben, I think you stole a bit of my intro for me introducing hey. myself. But no worries. Hi, everyone. Um, I'm grateful to have the opportunity to come here today and speak with all of you and with Pastor Ben. Um, my name is Rory. Um, I'm a recent high school graduate, and I plan to attend Ambrose University here in Calgary in the fall. Um, while I'm looking forward to this new chapter, I've dealt with a number of different emotions during this journey, and one of the most impactful has been anxiety. Anxiety has always been prevalent in my life uh, since childhood. Sometimes I would start crying randomly or I would have a stomach ache, or I'd think about the what-ifs all the time, every day. Um, I couldn't seem to shake the feeling of unease, and it wasn't until a couple of years ago when I identified the root cause of my stressing. For me, this was feeling unprepared. Mm -hmm. uh, discovering how this affected me was paramount in my journey to a calmer life, but change only began in my life when I recognized how God could impact me. Um, it didn't happen overnight, but when I let go of control and put my faith in him, I saw miraculous results. Every day, every day, my smile was a little brighter, my step had more pep, and my heart felt full. The burden I was carrying has been lifted, and it improved my life far more than I ever thought possible. I believe in a God who can absolve me of anxiety, but right now, he is working through my anxiety. Something I once saw as my downfall became a tool I could use to develop as a student, daughter, sister, and friend. God's using anxiety in me to be extra prepared, to act as a built-in motivator, and to be cautious when the situation calls for it. For the little girl in the audience who is anxious and feels alone, it does get better, infinitely better. All because of our God, the great healer and protector, as I enter a new chapter in my life after high school graduation, I strive to follow God's calling for me, anxious or not, because I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Come on. Hi, everybody. I'm Sophia. I go to George McDougall High School out in Airdrie. My favorite thing in the world is my dog, my dad coming in a close second because he's as awesome as my youth pastor over here. Oh. And you wrote that all on your own. Good job. Good job. 
So tonight, I'm going to be sharing with you a bit about me. I'm 17 years old. I'm in the 11th grade. I've moved through a couple different schools and moved down one grade, making it really hard to make friends. So I've, I've never really truly felt as if I was part of a good group of people. After COVID happened, my mental health went down into the ground, and I started to feel really alone. People made and make me feel as if I'm not worthy, but God reminds me that my worth and identity comes from him and not the world. Being lonely is a tough battle I faced and I'm still facing, but God is here with me when it seems no one else is. And I want all of you to remember to always be your true authentic self because you were made in the image of God and not by the world. Don't try to prove yourself to others and definitely don't let others decide who you get to be or who you want to be. God created you for a purpose and don't ever think he made a mistake creating you. Awesome, thank you guys, good job. All right, you guys can make your way back to Austin. That is awesome. All right, worship team, if you guys want to come ahead and come back out, we're going to drop this down here. Tim, I apologize. We're going off notes, but it'll be good. As I wrap up tonight, I was trying to think of, of what I could leave you guys with so that you guys could understand and start to, to really grasp that your identity is a child of God. And this came to me one Sunday morning because often I'm the first one up on a Sunday morning. And on Sunday morning, I wear my youth leader shirt to church because it's sometimes the easiest thing to put on and it's the easiest thing to find in the dark because I don't like to wake my family up when I'm getting up early on a Sunday morning. Now here's the thing, my wife also serves on our youth ministry team every now and then. And so she has a youth leader shirt. And Marcella, can you just stand up real quick? Right? There, woo! See? Lighting guys, I told you she was real. I told you. Now what you'll notice is there's a slight, there's a, there's a slight size difference, okay? There's a slight size difference between my wife and I, right? Now, in some ways, I'm kind of a big fan of this shirt. It makes my arms look jacked, right? I don't need to work out like Mitch and post pictures of big dumbbells, right? Come on, all love, right? I can just wear tighter shirts. And you know, if I was to wear this shirt underneath my regular youth shirt, it would kind of hold everything together a little bit better, right? But we all know that this is not an appropriate shirt for me to wear anywhere. And here's the thing that I want you guys to understand is the world will try to put an identity on you. See, the world will try to, put, to, to have you put your faith and your trust in worldly things. Ten years ago, God radically got a hold of my life. See, in all intents and purposes, I was 25 years old and I had made it. I had the big truck, had the amazing life, had the fantastic job, had the big white Oakleys, the affliction t-shirts. I'd made it. And I've never felt more empty or alone in my life. See, when we put our trust in the world, when we allow the world to define us, when we allow the world to give us an identity, it doesn't last and it's meaningless 
And my dad reminded me when I was a child that serving God and chasing after him with your whole heart was the most important thing. But the problem was is life got in the way of that. And it made it complicated. And it made me not understand what my true identity was. And 10 years ago, I was ready to be done with life. And that was when God showed up. And he simply gave me one simple phrase. I am a child of God. You are a child of God. Go ahead and stand up. We're gonna sing this next worship song. And one of the lines that is repeated most in this song is that I am a child of God. And what I want you guys to do is I want you to belt it out at the top of your lungs because I don't care what the world says about you. I don't care what life has done to you. I don't care what tomorrow brings because God says we are his children and he is proud of us. <laughs> 